Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be and abide with us this day and every day. Amen. So beginning in March 2020 until well, June 15th, there was a series of restrictions, recommendations. We all were under the, the cloud of pandemic. I don't have to remind you. We still remember this. It was a big part of our lives, right? I happen to be 52 years old, which means that this is a weird kind of math thing that I do. There's 52 weeks in a year, so if I've done something for a year, that means over, like in my lifetime, it's like doing it for a week in the month, in, I mean, right, in the year. Make sense? Not at all, but that's okay. You're kind of, some of you are tracking with that, right? If a week and a half out of a year, you, you might remember something if you do it every single day for a week and a half. Like if you went on a trip for a week and a half, that's one of the things that you remember about that year, right? Where'd you go on vacation in 2020? Well, maybe you didn't. <laughs> 2018. 2018, we had a trip. I remember it. We went up the West Coast, visited Vancouver and Victoria and came down through Seattle and Portland and down through parts of California. And so it was a really nice West Coast vacation that we had. It was probably a little over a week and a half, but that in the year was a significant part, right? So in a year, almost a year and a half of our pandemic is like a week and a half out of a year in my lifetime. It's weird, I know. But it's how my brain works. We've done something significant since March of last year. We've been through, and maybe we're still kind of in, the last, hopefully, I'm not sure what that does, but the last stages of this. I mean, there's still some recommendations. Businesses in various places still require different things, how many people can enter the door. I was in a bike shop on uh, Friday, and you know, I had to look and see if anyone was in there before I could go in because they limited it. was a small place, one customer group at a time. And then I picked up some food to bring home, and the place where we got it from required that I have a mask on to enter the building. So we still, I mean, it's not over, right? We're still living in this, is it over, is it not over? And then there's the Delta variant that we're not sure what's going on there. Right? There's some doubts. There's some question marks over that. So affected in all of this is our world and our country and our local communities and our lives because it's been very disruptive to us. Mental battles that we face, emotional struggles, and through all of that, it brings us to spiritual struggles that we've endured. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the road to recovery together. How do we move from COVID to confidence? How do we do that? We can do that together. We can walk the road of confidence together, the road of recovery together. That journey begins with a single step. It's to identify the issue oftentimes is how we can get started. And 
So let's talk about the reality is sometimes we're hiding in fear. Today's gospel reading from John chapter 20 is one that we, like every year we get right after Easter. Because it happens right after the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples are in the upper room. They're hiding out together. Sometimes we're hiding in fear, not from COVID and corona. There's all kinds of things that make us want to hide, make us want to get away. In John chapter 20, we heard these, ver- uh, these words in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, so this is the day the resurrection happened, right? This is Easter, the first one, the first day of the week. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. These are the disciples, the followers of Jesus. They'd walked the road with him. They'd heard him teach. They'd seen him perform miracles. They were, they were ready to help him usher in whatever he was going to do. And then he was killed by the Pharisees, by the Jewish establishment, by the religious leaders. But then they, they had pulled the crowds in. And they took out the, the leader of this group. The question through their heads had to be, who's next? I bet there was some whispers. I bet it's Peter. He's the one who's always running his mouth. They probably had some expectations that there would be a knock on the door. Maybe something more significant, maybe a pounding on the door with some kind of battering ram to knock that door in and pull them out. They had a lot of reason to be afraid, a lot of reasons to be behind the locked doors, except (laughs) news had already reached them. If you back up in chapter 20, the resurrection has happened and word is starting to spread. Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20 goes to the tomb, comes back and says, wait, he's gone. So then Peter and John have the foot race, right, to get to the tomb and John outruns him, but Peter runs right into the tomb and then they look around, he's not there. In the small part between that foot race and where we start in our reading today, Jesus appears to Mary and calls her by name, and sends her to tell the disciples. So she comes back and says, guess what? I saw him. Well, they're still in the room, and they're still afraid. Is there perhaps, in that fear of the Jews, also a fear of Jesus? When they arrested him, when they arrested him, we all fled. We all ran away. We all took off and abandoned him. So it wasn't just Judas who betrayed him. It was all of us who who let it happen. Now he's alive. What's he going to say? And then there's Peter in the corner someplace thinking, you guys think you did it wrong. Did you hear the rooster? Maybe you heard the rooster, but maybe you didn't hear me. I claimed I didn't even know him. I claimed I'd never met him. There's fear gripping those men. 
In the Old Testament, there's a story of Elijah who sees the power of God when fire comes and consumes the offering and then the, the priests of Baal all get put to the sword and this is a big victory and he runs down and Jezebel's like, oh, by tomorrow, that's going to happen to you. So Elijah takes off running and ends up in a cave. First King chapter 19, verse 9 has this question, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? I expect the disciples were waiting for that question to be asked of them. What are you doing here? Hiding in fear, huddled up. Reality is we can become trapped in fear. We can become stuck because of just the terror in our hearts, in our minds, whether it's real or perceived, we can get stuck in our fear. When I was growing up, our house was broken into um, twice in the 70s and then once, 1980, on a Sunday morning. It was winter. There was a little bit of snow on the front yard. On, and, and as we were driving past our house, and the driveway was on the other side of our house, we were coming home from church. We're driving past the house, and we didn't use the front door. It was just there, right? There was no sidewalk to it. It was one of those doors that just kind of goes out into the yard. So we never used it, but it was open that morning as we got home. So we knew there was something surprising, something wrong. So we pull in the driveway, and we go in, and sure enough, someone had been in our home and had taken some of our things, and that was... That was the last straw. After that, we added a security system, put a big old siren above the washer and dryer that was in the hall that went down to my mom and dad's room. It was just this corridor. There's a bathroom on the one side, the laundry on the other side, and went down to my parents' room. And it was probably at least six months, year, maybe two years later. My older sister and I were home. We were maybe... 11 and 13, 12 and 14, I don't know how old we were. Just the two of us at the house. We were old enough to f- be okay. You know, we probably ate pizza and watched movies, I, like, you know, kids do. And we're in my mom and dad's room because in their room was the biggest television that we had as a family. So we're watching TV, hanging out, goofing around. I don't know what we were doing, but all of a sudden we heard it. That siren that was over the washer and dryer all of a sudden was blaring. And we looked at each other with the the biggest eyes that we could. What does this mean? Well, maybe mom and dad came home early. When it went on for at least 10 seconds, we knew that wasn't the case. We thought somebody's, somebody's trying to come into our house. And so there was a bathroom off of my parents' room, and the bathroom had sinks, and one side was the walk-in closet, the other side was the bathtub and the toilet, and it had a door. And so we went in that little room, put our feet against the tub, our backs against the door. We were going to keep that door closed no matter what. And the siren kept blaring and blaring and blaring and it probably went for 20 minutes I don't know how long it was it felt like a month 
because we were convinced someone was still in the house. And so it was scary to have that siren sound continue and continue and continue, and then eventually it stopped. Well, it was only going to run for so long. And it was a little bit worse, actually. When the siren stopped, we could hear every creak of the house. If the wind blew a little, it was an old farmhouse that my parents' bedroom was a, an addition, but the rest of it was this old farmhouse. And so if the wind blew, there was a creaking kind of sound. And the floorboards or the rafters, I don't even know where those creaking sounds come from. But I'm convinced it's a footstep in the hallway. And we think someone's coming. We're terrified, teenagers, at that point. Expecting there's someone in our home, we didn't want to open the door. A year ago, March, coronavirus was becoming part of our vocabulary. Prior to that, it was in the news, but it was not something we took that seriously. We were on a flight in February, and I said to Paula loud enough for people to hear me who were around, hey, how was China? That probably wasn't funny to everyone. <laughs> Did I hear terrible? <laughs> yeah. It seemed a little funny to me at the time. But then the news kept getting worse, and the virus kept getting closer, and by the middle of March, we heard that schools were going to be cl closed for a couple of weeks, right? And we were told to shelter in place, to stay home, to close the door, and so we did. And our fear levels increased as news got worse, and infections increased, and it was China, then it was Italy, then it was somewhere else, and then it was New York, and then it was California, and then it was in our county, whatever county you live in, it was closer to home. For Elijah, for the disciples, for us, in the beginning stages of the pandemic, we can be confident in this, Jesus helps us overcome fear. Jesus helps us when we are afraid. He meets us where we are. This is the later part of verse 19. Jesus shows up where the doors are locked, and he came and stood among them. That's what Jesus did. He appeared in the upper room. The narrative doesn't describe how he got in there, right? But we're left with this assumption, and it's a pretty easy assumption, that he just entered the room. The doors were locked, John reports. So it's startling. It's surprising. Jesus just shows up for the disciples. And he meets us in the places where we feel fear. And there are places where we feel fear, fear of illness of all kinds, whether it's COVID or cancer or the common cold, fear of the future, Fear of outcome of whatever the situation may be that is keeping you up at night. Fear of the news the doctor might share or because of the news that plays on the television set. There's lots and lots of reasons we feel fear, but in that Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings peace to the fearful. 
the end of verse 19, as Jesus came and stood among them, he said to them, peace be with you. And again, at verse 21, Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. If Jesus says something twice, it's a good idea to pay attention. If Jesus says something once, it's a good idea to pay attention. But twice, there's some significance there. Peace be with you. In the middle of this fearful environment where the disciples were, peace be with you. Notice this, he didn't remove the threats. Jesus comes and brings peace. He doesn't say, peace be with you. The Jews aren't going to bother you, and I forgive you. He gives them his forgiveness, but there was still threat outside the door. The Jews still persecuted the believers. Read the first few chapters of the book of Acts. Elijah heard the voice of God invite him from the cave out, but he was still facing opposition. Jesus brings peace into our hard situations. Whether we're huddled in a bathroom with our back against the door, trying to keep out whoever is in the house, or hiding from threats of violence, where the disciples were, or sheltering from a virus. He frees us from our fears, not always by removing the threat, but by giving us confidence that we need so that we can open the door. Open the door. We are empowered to come out from hiding. So my sister and I, sitting there for a while, hearing all the creaks in the house, eventually became convinced that they were just the common creaks of the house that we continued to hear. And so we stood up and opened the door and came out, and there was no one standing there waiting for us to finally open the door with some weapon or something. And we walked around the house, and we didn't see anyone, and nothing had been disturbed. And we looked, and looked and I think we talked maybe to the police whom we called because we needed that confidence. After exploring the house and looking around and seeing no evidence that anyone even tried to get in the house, what they found was there was a door that probably had not been latched and we had outside dogs who probably laid on the warm bricks right next to the door and the back of the dog pushed the door just open enough to set off the system. Elijah came out from that cave. He was sent to do more prophet work. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord and they didn't stay in the upper room for very much longer. We can open our doors again. The road to recovery might begin with that step to open the door. Now, here's a caveat to, for anyone who's got compromised health or complicated issues that make that difficult, that's understandable. This has been a burden, and opening the door might take everything that you have. And I'm 
talking to people in the room who have opened the door this morning and come out of the house and come to the building. But it's not just opening our front doors that we need to do. For everyone, we need to remember that we're on a mission. In the upper room, Jesus sent his disciples. Did you hear those words? As Jesus announces peace to them, his very next words, verse 21, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. In there, we're still afraid moment. They're being sent into the mission of Christ to open the door, not just physically, but to be open to connecting with people. And as much as our physical doors have been closed, how about our relational doors? Have, has it become a habit not to talk to people, not to connect with folks around us? We need to be open to our neighbors again because the world needs recovery, not just to resume. <laughs> the world needs relationship as much as anything. And plenty of fears will still overtake us all. They'll still come to find us in our weak moments, but we know the one who brings peace. Who brings peace in the middle of our fears and who encourages us to live in that peace with whatever's on the other side of the door. With whatever threat we're facing. To live in the peace that Jesus offers because he gives it to us by his grace. Let's open the door to our homes and our hearts to make known the one who gives us his peace. Amen.